0: Hello and welcome to this midweek edition of the Pie Bomb Wrestling Podcast, the show that is for the fans by the fans. I am your phenomenal host, Mr. Podcasting, Chris Belcher. You can follow me at Chris Belcher24 on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The show is at PBW Podcast on those platforms as well. Make sure you follow along, make sure you interact with us on social media. Like I said, the show is for the fans by the fans. And the best way for us to service you is. And to do what you want and to have you uh, contribute to the product is for you to interact with us on social media. We want to talk about what you want to hear about. So interact with us. We appreciate it very much. Um, Make sure that you are following along on bodyslam.net's youtube channel hit that subscribe button and the notifications bell show some support to the other shows within the bodyslam.net family i know they would appreciate it and we can't leave out tom and the crew over at sportswire radio sportnarium.com forward slash player show them some love as well i know they would appreciate it again my name is chris belcher i could not do this by myself with me as always every single week is the young buck ladies and gentlemen. Andy York is in the house Andy what's up man how's it going
1: oh doing good man just uh another exciting week of wrestling got a massive AEW pay-per-view this year It feels like it's been a while since I mean it has been but it feels like it's been a really long time since the last one but I'm, I'm looking forward to that and then you know a lot of fun discussion about WWE we're on the road to Wrestlemania and there's always some twists and turns and unexpected things and injuries that take place and everything else that kind of throw a wrench and everything
0: Everything you just talked about, we're about to try to hit on. (laughs) Um, So, uh, yeah, you mentioned that AEW Revolution is coming up this Sunday. We're going to preview the card with our buddy Trent Osborne. He's going to join us in just a little bit. But we are on the road to WrestleMania, so we have to uh, service our WWE fans. We have to talk about WrestleMania, the twists and turns, the announcements, the injuries, all of the things. We're going to try to keep that concise because we know we've gone long in the last couple episodes. We apologize for that. We try to keep our show as concise as possible. But, man, when good conversations flow you can't stop it. No. <laughs> so, so we're going to get into it. Uh, again, make sure you follow along with us at PBW Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Andy is at Andy underscore PBWP. And I am at Belcher All right, Andy, let's get into it. WWE this week. Obviously, the big news coming out. Uh, we talked last week. Because Brock Lesnar won the elimination chamber. Okay, what's gonna happen? Title for title. It's been rumored. Brock even mentioned it back uh around Royal Rumble time. Yeah. He was the he was the first one that said, hey, it's gonna be title for title. And that started the the whirlwind of rumors and all this other stuff. Well, here we are. And WWE announced ahead of the contract signing on SmackDown this last pat this past Friday that it's going to be a unification match winner take all and and they didn't even use that language yeah which is interesting not like a winner take all you get both belts it's a unification match when you first heard that like what what's your immediate thoughts how does that look for you
1: um well my immediate thought was okay wwe have booked uh backed themselves into another corner with Welcome
0: this. to every single booking decision yeah. they make.
1: <laughs> and it seems like they always back themselves into a corner when they deal with Roman and Brock. Like very mm. like facing each other. It seems like that's always a scenario. But otherwise, we wouldn't have got the Seth Rollins cash in. Otherwise, we wouldn't have got bloody Roman at WrestleMania thirty four and all this other stuff that we've had. Um and so it seems like they've kind of always backed themselves into a corner with this, and this is no different. And I don't know. I don't think they understand what the what the word unification really means because you know reports of what plans are after WrestleMania is that um, both or once like the champion is going to show up on both shows, um, which I I'm not a big fan of in a lot of ways because that leaves a lot of not a lot of wiggle room, but it leaves a lot of of questions in the air because one. I think the most exciting thing about Roman is that we don't see him every week and that we see him on Fridays. And if we see him on Mondays and Fridays now, his character and gimmick might get old really quickly. Sure. Um, And then, like, if he is feuding with a guy on Raw, what are they going to do on SmackDown? Like, I understand they may elevate one of the the mid-card belts, and that's that's perfectly fine with me. But, like, there's a lot of guys that aren't mid-carders that need to be in the main event scene. And are they just going to take a month off? Like, are we not going to see Drew McIntyre, you know, on SmackDown for a month? Or if we are, are they? who is he feuding with? Because Lord knows this Corbin feud needs to end quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know. I think there's just a lot of questions up in the air. Obviously, they did this with Becky uh, after WrestleMania 35, and she dropped the title like a month later, one of the titles a month later. So I wouldn't be shocked if that happened. Um, but I don't know. It, it It seems like they've kind of booked themselves into this corner and I don't know exactly how they're going to get out of it, and I don't think they know exactly how they're going to get out of it yet.
0: I like it, if I'm being honest with you. I like it. I'm from the old school. Well, not necessarily old school, but the beginning of the ruthless, ruthless aggression era started with the first-ever draft mm. when they split guys up, and they had one champion for both shows, and the champion went back and forth, and it only lasted probably... Let's see, first draft happened right after WrestleMania. So that would have been April, and it ended after SummerSlam. So four months it happened. Mm -hmm. I was honestly okay with it, and I would be okay with it here. I'm not saying that Roman Reigns has to be on both shows every single week. Right. Because you can still have the champion float back and forth and not be on the show. We saw that with Brock Lesnar. Um, but I think that you're right. It elevates the mid card titles. It would make the intercontinental title feel relevant again. Yeah. Um, it would make the U S title feel real. I mean, Damian Priest has done a great job. Don't get me wrong, but you get what I mean. Right. Plus you do get those main event feuds without the title. And it gives you the opportunity to tell better stories in my opinion. So drew McIntyre, let's just take drew McIntyre and happy Corbin for, For example, the Mm -hmm. storyline has not been, it's not been great. I'm not going to say it's been terrible, but it's not been great. You can tell a better story without any kind of title implications and make people care about it a little more. Now, will WWE do that? I don't know if they will or not, (laughs) but what I'm saying is, is like, you can make big time matches that don't have to have the title happen. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, does Roman feud with one? He could feud with two guys at the same time on, you know, either show, or he could just feud with one guy on Raw for a while and you know. Yeah. So I think they have a lot of interesting ways they can go with it. I'm okay with it. And the reason is because if Brock Lesnar loses, Brock Lesnar takes time off. Yeah. Roman Reigns is your big star. You let your big star show up on both shows.
1: Yeah, and I, I get that. I get that aspect, and I that part of it. I I'm looking forward to. Yeah. But one of my other big concerns, though, is you know, while they have released a lot of people, they don't have a small yes. roster, yes. um, and so a lot of these guys are going to get lost in the shuffle. I mean, we obviously when we kind of talk about Brock, and when we talk with Trent a little bit later on, we're going to dive into a lot more of this. But yes. there's a lot of guys that have been championed that deserve to be championed that won't be champion if there's only one champion. That's and that's correct. a champion a lot in that, in that but you kind of get like, you kind of get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know, like whoever beats Roman is going to be a megastar, Sure. At this point. And I can look at the roster on both raw and SmackDown. And I don't see anybody that is a nice. realistic viable threat to Roman reigns. And other than Brock, (laughs) other than other than Brock and maybe maybe Seth Rollins. But even then, he's been damaged a lot because of what happened at Elimination Chamber. And so I don't know. I I just think that uh, there's a lot of guys that aren't going to get the time of day anymore because there's only one title now. There's only one main title now where you're not going to see a lot of guys get the opportunity that they deserve um, because they just don't fit in that in that top section or they're not as big of a star as Roman Reigns or Seth Rollins or AJ Styles or whoever.
0: Mm -hmm. And I get all that. I a hundred percent get that, but that's, I think that's where elevating those other titles make those feel more important. And because look at, I know that they only, they had two champions at this time, but look at the time when Seth Rollins, Dolph Ziggler, Roman Reigns, the Miz that around WrestleMania 33, 34, where that intercontinental title was, was a big deal again. Thank you, Miz. Thank you, Seth Rollins. Yeah. Thank you, Roman Reigns. I thought he was a great Intercontinental Champion. Not too many people talk about that. But the way that title was elevated, I think they could do that again. But in this situation, what makes it special is we talk about, and we're going to talk about a little bit later with Trent, the devaluing of the World Championship. Well, now, if you only have one title, and you have one guy holding that title. Yeah, man, when you get a shot at that title, it's big. And maybe yeah. it is. Maybe it's only Seth Rollins and AJ Styles and Drew McIntyre. But man, you talk about a big fight feel when they finally get that shot. And that that makes me think of Ric Flair. You know, yeah. when he was the territory champion in the old school days. So I think from that perspective, it makes Roman even bigger. As if there was a way to make him even bigger. To me, here it is.
1: Yeah, and I I I get that and I I completely agree. My one of my only concerns though and we've seen this with Roman matches lately is that they're not giving us like f- defiant finishes. Like they're yep. not getting they're not giving a finish to a match. We saw this with yep. Seth Rollins with the disqualification. We saw this with the Demon Ballard with yep. the top rope debacle that was yep. never brought up again. Um and so I if you're going to do this Mm-hmm. The way that you like elevate your world champion even more is by having him beat people, mm-hmm. not and they did this with Roman for a long time, and then it I don't did. know why it kind of just switched to like Demon Baller. Okay, we have to have the top rope fall for him to lose. Seth Rollins. Okay, we have to disqualify Roman Reigns. Which part of me would not be shocked if the WrestleMania main event does not end and a yep. disqualification where both sure. guys don't lose their title, and if that is the case. Then all of this build from SummerSlam has been nothing but a waste yep. of time.
0: I, I tell you exactly what I think happened with the demon and with Rollins. I think Brock Lesnar is the yeah. sole reason for that because they even though having Roman Reigns pin those guys would have made him even stronger. I think that I think it's just another layer of trying to tell a different side of Roman Reigns other than just beating people up, because that's exactly what you're doing with Brock. Rock's just beating people up. So you got to find a different way to get there. Having said that though, I don't think the WrestleMania match ends in a DQ finish. I think it's clean. I think it's, it's clean as a a freshly washed new vehicle, which (laughs) I did yesterday. Um, (laughs) I think, I think it's super clean. I think no matter who wins, it's, it's definite. It's set in stone. You know exactly what's going to happen. And somebody's walking out of there as the unified champion. My guess is it's going to be Roman Reigns, but as happened with WrestleMania 34, (laughs) I was wrong. So it could happen again. It
1: could happen Uh, again.
0: Let's shift gears. Speaking of big time WrestleMania matches, it's been rumored, it's been said by both guys that they wanted the match, and it has been made official, but in a in a maybe a controversial way, maybe a way that Andy's not so settled with. Uh, of course, I'm talking about AJ Styles and Edge. Uh, man, you knew. You yeah. texted me the other night, and you said Edge, because I wasn't watching Raw live at the time. You texted me and said Edge is main eventing Raw. And when you texted me that, I was like, oh, Edge is wrestling on Raw? Oh, that's cool. I'm going to turn it on. <laughs> then I realized it was just the promo. Yeah. And I knew that something big was going to happen, and it did, man. We saw yeah. AJ confirmed, and then Edge turn heel. What about that, man?
1: Yeah. So at first, when it, when he first low blowed AJ, my initial reaction was, "Oh no, not not another AJ low blowing session." Because <laughs> I have I have PTSD from the Seth, uh, from the <laughs> AJ style Shinsuke Nakamura match, which. Kayfabe wise, AJ Styles just need to start wearing a cup everywhere he goes and every time he wrestles. No so that's, kidding. That's, if we ever get to interview AJ Styles, that is my first question: is Can I give you money to go buy yourself a cup? <laughs> um, but honestly, after watching the beatdown that he gave AJ Styles and the pure anger that is on his face at all times, I forgot, and I know that I, this was like when I first started watching wrestling was kind of during this era of edge i forgot how great of a heel edge is yes Yes. and i don't think edge versus aj needs to be heel versus face i think you could do face versus face who's the Mm -hmm. better man and it's fine Mm -hmm. but this just adds something that makes it in a weird way feel bigger to me Mm -hmm. um so i i'm all for it now going back and watching it Two of the nastiest concertos I have ever seen. That first one, I'm pretty sure he connected. Like he yeah. actually connected with AJ Styles. And I hope AJ's not on TV for the next two weeks. I hope he sells it. I hope we just get edge promos the next two weeks because mm-hmm. Lord knows that man can hype up any match without anybody in the ring with him yeah. and just let him talk it talk it out. And it's it honestly made WrestleMania feel bigger to me all of a sudden. Because I think we have been lacking like Brock Roman's whatever to me. Charlotte Ronda is Whatever. a missed opportunity to me. Becky and Bianca is was my most excited match that had been announced until this, and now it's this is going to be match of the year candidate right off the rip for WWE.
0: Listen, I'm so torn with this match. It's not even funny. Like these are two of my top five favorite wrestlers of all time. Like I'm wearing my AJ style shirt right now. You can't see it, but I'm wearing my edge lounge pants. Okay. I'm so torn (laughs) with all of this, but it's so good. Like I'm so excited. I'm with you. Like it doesn't need to be face versus heel, but exactly what we saw last year at WrestleMania when Edge, quote, turned heel on Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Did he really turn heel? No. No, Did the crowd reaction change? No. Like, this one was quite a bit different. Yeah. But do I think he's going to get booed? Maybe for a week or two, but nothing, nothing too crazy. So, I, I don't think we have anything. The only thing that we have to worry about, and what I am very upset about, is I fear. That now that Edge is a heel, he might not do a meet and greet at Access, and I might not get to meet him <laughs> at WrestleMania. That is what I'm not happy
1: about. Yeah, but you know, that.
0: you know, it might not happen that way. I, he could I be might... faced
1: by SummerSlam. We're fine.
0: That's true. <laughs> so he good. will be faced by SummerSlam. Are you kidding me? Like <laughs> seriously, after this match is over, it's gonna flip and it's gonna be fine. But I'm very excited for this. I think it's gonna be absolutely incredible. Uh the way they set it up was great. Let me ask you this. When he's out there cutting the promo and it's the main event of the show. It's the last thing on the show. How much in your head did you think it was going to be Cody
1: Rhodes? Very little. Did you? Really? Very little. Cuz I th- I think this is the dream cuz WrestleMania always has at least one dream, dream match. Yep. Or or one match that like is for the fans. Last year it was uh, Seth Rollins and Cesaro, um, mm-hmm. you know, two years ago would have been Seth Rollins versus Kevin Owens, you know, th- th- matches like that. Yep. And this is this is that match for for the fans. So I knew that it was like 90 percent AJ Styles, like 10 percent Cody Rhodes. And if Cody's music would have hit, I still would have I still would have popped like I still would have been happy for it. Um, but I, I really I, I don't think I would have been as happy, though if it wasn't AJ, like I right. I think it being AJ is the perfect yep. choice for this WrestleMania match. And I, I'm so excited for this match. I think it's going to be, it's going to be, I, I honestly, I think it might be on night two. And I think it might start off the show night two oh, um, man. with an edge okay. victory. <laughs> as I'm calling it. Now I think edge is going to walk away with the win here nope, Um, as of right me. now, but nope. I, I think edge is going to walk away with the win at WrestleMania. He has a one, to, he has a one at mania other than his first one. And that was in front of nobody. So I'm, I think he's going to walk away with the win here. Um, I, think the
0: win at, I think the win at Mania doesn't matter, though. I think he yeah. won the feud against Seth Rollins. So I think, and he won the feud against Miz. So I think he drops this one to AJ. He because, might. Because if you are, if, let, let's just combine the last two conversations that we had. If you're setting AJ Styles up to go against Roman Reigns at some point in the very near future, which I think they will now that, that AJ's a babyface, I think you got to give AJ this win. Yeah, get him back in the main event picture so that people remember how good AJ Styles is. That way, when he goes up against Roman Reigns, everybody's not like, "Well, Roman's just going to win this one,"
1: you know? Yeah, but I think they could do that. They did that with AJ versus Chris Jericho a couple years ago. Uh, yeah, that's true. Jericho won, and then AJ was in the main event scene the next night. The next and night, it was it was totally fine. So I could see. I mean, losing the edge at WrestleMania is not going to. It wouldn't be like losing to Austin Theory at WrestleMania right. but I honestly like I think this match is going to start off the show whoever wins is fine with me like it's one of those yep. where I don't care who wins me like, too. I'm just I'm just there to watch the match and enjoy yep. it and me I'm too. so I'm looking forward to it
0: Me too. I was the same way at SummerSlam (laughs) with Edge and Seth Rollins. Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to be the same way with this one too. All right. We got to get to Trent here in just a few minutes. But before we do, man, what else from WWE stood out to you this week that's significant uh, or that, you know, we we need to address?
1: Well, I've got two things and both of them come from Monday Night Raw. Uh, The first one is I have a problem with a champion and a challenger getting in the ring together before WrestleMania. Um, mm. and that kind of happened with Bianca and Becky with that six man or six woman tag match. Um, I'm fine with them getting physical, like having an altercation, but if you have them have like a match within the match, you're kind of giving away a WrestleMania spot or like, you're kind of giving away what you're doing at WrestleMania. So I, to me, that's kind of the hero spot was perfectly fine. Cause one, it's a nasty, <laughs> nasty move. And I'm, I'm fine with that. But I think they should have waited until Mania for them to get into the ring during a match and have them kind of lock up for a little bit. Because to me, it takes away some of their luster from the WrestleMania match that we get in a couple weeks.
0: Makes sense. Um, I don't know that I don't like it. But I definitely see where you're coming from in saving the big time feels saving, you know, because they're not going to put Roman and Brock in a six man tag, right? Or they might put Ronda and Charlotte. We saw that at Elimination Chamber, but, um, but I see I see your point. And sure. that
1: took away from their match as well. Like that's one of those of mm-hmm. just do just do Ronda versus Sonya at Elimination Chamber. Like Instead don't of- do. And then do do Naomi versus Charlotte for the title at at Elimination Chamber and then go their separate ways. I don't think think we need to get physical in the ring or have a match in the ring. And then my other thing that was very telling to me is the fact that we were in Columbus, Ohio for Monday Night Raw and Alexa Bliss was nowhere to be found and she on Twitter was not happy about it. Mm -hmm. Um, Honestly, (sighs) this is not the first time we've seen her upset in WWE with WWE. I think I looked. Her contract is supposed to run out next year. I don't think she sticks around. I don't think she goes to AEW, but I don't think mm-hmm. she sticks around. And she, I, th- I think this might be towards the end yep. of Alexa Bliss's wrestling career, which yep. sucks because she is she's really good in the ring. She's one of the best on the mic, mm-hmm. and it, I don't know. It just seems like they have cooled off on her a whole lot for no reason. Um, yep. other than maybe some injuries that have popped up. But even then, like, I, it seems like they've cooled off on her.
0: She is definitely one of the more popular women's wrestlers of the last 10 years, for sure. And I don't understand why they've cooled off on her. I'm like you, but I, I 100% agree. I think we're we're ending we're winding down Alexa Bliss's wrestling career and if i if i remember right i've listened to some interviews with her and she has said she doesn't want to wrestle forever like yeah. she doesn't want to wrestle till she's you know you know 35 40 whatever yeah. and she's about to get married this yeah. spring i believe so i 100% think that you know she's not going to resign this is going to be the end uh she's going to go off right off into the sunset probably do movies do whatever do yeah. movies i mean her husband her future husband is ryan cabrera yeah she's not hurting
1: for <laughs> money no, no she's not
0: hurting for fame and notoriety and all that kind no. of stuff she can get into whatever she wants yeah so I- i'm with you and i hate it i noticed that too i'm so glad you brought that up because i noticed the same thing that she wasn't even she was nowhere to be found in that and that sucks yeah a lot uh the one thing that i'll bring up is the new United States champion out of nowhere. (laughs) Finn Balor defeats Damian Priest, this incredible run that we have talked about a lot on this podcast that Damian Priest has been on since SummerSlam with the United States title, and we get a change on Raw, not even the pay-per-view, not even wait till WrestleMania. I'm pretty excited, man. I'm glad that Balor is getting his just due. A lot of people on Twitter were not happy that... Priest immediately grabbed the microphone, turned heel, and Ballard didn't get his moment.
1: Yeah, I, I don't buy that. Do you? Um, I don't. I don't mind the heel turn at all. Like I, I think the heel turn was great. I, I think just it is ha- too. I hate the you people, all you people, promo that everybody does. <laughs> the heel promo that everybody does because it's like find a more creative way to turn heel. Um, but I, I I'm fine with it. I love it. The beatdown that he gave Finn after the match was brutal and. I think shows that I think I think WWE ha- hold a really high stock in Damian Priest. Yes. Um to the point where I think we're going to get the Demon versus Priest at Mania. I think Finn's coming out in the Demon gear. I think we're getting that match. I think Finn might win and retain at WrestleMania and I think Damian Priest is probably either before, maybe just before or right after SummerSlam going to be the number one contender for the World Heavyweight Championship. I think they're going to kind of push him kind of quickly up the card. And I, I think it's rightfully so. He's really great in the ring. He's got a great look and he's he's decent. Like he can hold his own on the mic. So I'm, yep. I'm all for this heel turn. I'm all for this change. I'm so glad they're giving Finn the U.S. title because I think with the U.S. Championship, he can show how good he is to everybody again. My only fear is I hope that we're not going to focus now on the IC title and kind of have a Shinsuke Nakamura reign with the U.S. title with Finn Balor where he doesn't really defend it on TV. He's out for six months or whatever, has one match, and then drops it. So I kind of – that's part of – I hope that doesn't happen with with Finn. Um, But, yeah, I I loved it. It was a great match too. Um, It took forever to get to the match because there was, like, 20 segments in between. Each oh my instance. gosh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> but, but we finally got to, it and it was a really great match.
0: It was a really great match. You're exactly right. Uh, I would not be disappointed if we head to this rematch at WrestleMania and bring out the demon gimmick. I a hundred percent think that if the demon gimmick comes out, Finn Balor wins. Yeah. He's got to get that win back as a demon. Um, and then only time will tell what they do with, with him and the U S title, man, hopefully, It'll be a thing where we see him a lot and he can reestablish himself. He can reestablish himself as a big star on Raw if we go back to there only being world war- one world title. Try to get <laughs> I that think, out.
1: Though, there is a possibility. Let's say Cody does not show up for WrestleMania. There's a really good possibility, though, that the night after WrestleMania, Finn Balor has an open challenge for the U.S. title. And Cody Rhodes could answer the U.S. title open challenge, go right after Finn Balor, beat Finn Balor, and Cody is your new U.S. champion kind of going for it as well. I don't think I would hate that either, though, because I think that's a great spot for Cody to come in. Um, but I also wouldn't mind if Cody just kind of came in and went right after Roman for the U.S. for the Universal title or whatever yeah. they're going to call the Universal World Heavyweight WWE Massive Global whatever champion. Um I would love it if he went right after the that. Stupendous, champions. Stupendous. I hope I never hear the word "stupendous" <laughs> ever again. And I know when we go, they're going to say it. and It's going to be everywhere. So I'm I'm prepared yes. for that. But I hope we never hear, hear that word again. Um, I mean, but we, I think I think we're, Cody's we're, coming we're, in and going out right after it.
0: We're going to go to Dallas, and there's going to be just a banner. <laughs> that all it says is "stupendous." It's I hope. Happen.
1: I hope if the rumors are true, which we'll find out uh, tomorrow. We'll find out what's going to happen with all this. I hope Pat McAfee just comes out and like stupendous. It just says stupendous everywhere on his trunks or, or pants or whatever he's going to wear.
0: Oh, that's amazing! Speaking of that, that's a good transition. You transition. You didn't even know it. Uh, I feel like we do need to talk about that. Pat McAfee and Vince McMahon live interview tomorrow on Pat McAfee the Pat McAfee Show YouTube channel. Yep. Don't want to miss it. It's going to be absolutely incredible, I think, because you mentioned the promo on Raw. Yep. You texted me cuz I didn't watch it live. You mentioned you said Vince versus Pat is happening. I watched the promo. I lean towards Austin Theory versus Pat McAfee.
1: I think they're going to announce it as Vince versus Pat tomorrow. I think that's going to be because and I, I shout out to Sam Roberts cuz I was listening to his podcast and he was kind of talking about this to the mainstream audience to get eyes on WrestleMania. Yes. Pat versus Vince sells more than Pat versus Austin Theory because nobody knows who Austin Theory really is outside of people that watch week to week. So I think it's gonna be Pat versus Vince probably all the way up until the Monday before WrestleMania. Um because Austin Theory definitely is playing a part in things and he's gonna play a role in it. Um and I but I, I honestly like I wouldn't be shocked as well if it wasn't Austin Theory and Vince McMahon versus Pat McAfee oh, and Shinsuke gosh. Nakamura, or Shane McMahon. That would be if they brought Shane back for that. That would be my gosh! That'd be the one time I cheer for Shane because I I, I would pop for that. That's, um, that's but, the perfect
0: guy to bring in if yeah. if you're doing that scenario. That's perfect.
1: Yeah, but I don't know. I, honestly I don't know what the whole situation with Shane and WWE is right now. It's it's yep. so up in the air. But you could do Pat. Ver- and somebody versus, you know, and an Austin and Vince McMahon, because Vince is going to get in the ring at WrestleMania. He's yep. going to do something. Um, or, because uh, it seems like they're definitely playing into this Kevin Owens, Texas thing, because they've got all these Hall of Famers from Texas that are, I don't know if you've seen it on Twitter, but they've been mm-hmm. tweeting videos out. So I think the Stone Cold Kevin Owens thing is almost a lock at this point. Um, but I wouldn't be shocked either if it was, Vince and Austin Theory versus Pat McAfee and Stone Cold Steve Austin because that would be to see Vince take another yeah. stunner from Stone Cold at WrestleMania in Texas. I think yeah. might happen anyway, no matter what.
0: Yeah, but you you gotta have Austin and Kevin Owens.
1: Yeah, there, at this point so, you do. in
0: there somehow. Yeah. So I think if you're if you're going that direction, it could be Pat McAfee and Seth Rollins against Austin Theory and Vince McMahon.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I Seth is too good of a heel right now. I don't want to turn well, okay. Seth's face, and I, okay. I think you want to k- kind of keep him where he's at. But you could do, you could do Pat McAfee. I think Pat McAfee and Shinsuke with boobs coming out is that entrance alone is yep. is worth admission to, to, to the event. Yep. But I think you could do like you could do Pat because Ricochet apparently is the number slot as the number two babyface on all of SmackDown behind Drew McIntyre right mm. now, which I love. But you could do Pat and Ricochet versus Austin Theory and Vince McMahon. You could put somebody with Pat McAfee, or if they really want to elevate Pat McAfee, Austin Theory and Vince versus Pat by himself. I think right. he could kind of hold his own in there with Austin Theory and with Vince.
0: I think the way to go with that is Shinsuke. I think it's yeah. I think it's Shinsuke and Pat against Austin Theory and Vince. So let's say that. Let Let's set that in stone for a minute. I know we're we're running low on time <laughs> again because we got to get to Trent. But let's say. Pat and Shinsuke against Vince and Austin Theory. Set. Mm-hmm. Austin versus Kevin Owens. That's set. Uh, AJ and Edge that we know that's set. What do you do with Seth
1: Rollins now? Um again, is this Cody Rhodes or possibly. I think possibly Seth versus Cody, which I is a big time WrestleMania match for me. I think yeah. that I think that would fit really well. Um, man, I don't know. Do um, you
0: do you throw Seth Rollins in with Damian Priest and Finn Balor for the U.S. Could.
1: title? You could, but I, I don't know. I kind of just want to see Balor versus Priest. Kind of, I do too. Go forward, yeah, I do too. Um, which by the way, you can also probably put in stone Sammy Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville. Oh, hundred yeah, percent. Some, yeah. C- I don't know if the title will be on the line, but it might be. Um. I don't know. Seth may, Seth may just be in the corner of Kevin Owens, which would be terrible. It would be awful. Um, But, I mean, think about it this way. If you do that night one, and let's say after the match, Seth and Kevin Owens are beating down on Stone Cold Steve Austin, Cody's music hits, he runs out. Night two, you get Cody versus Seth. I think that that, that could be real oh, possibility. Oh, man. I think you know, we, that, that would I think be we might really get a lot of thing. that. I think we might get a lot of that, because I honestly think with both women's titles being on the same night, <laughs> I think Becky wins. I think Ronda wins. And I think night two, they say, all right, we're going to do Becky versus Ronda. Night two, unification for the women's title as well. You could do that. And I think, I because th- I think, I mean, Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins tease unifying the tag titles. Um, so I think, I think we're on a, a path to unifying all the titles other than the U.S. and the IC title. I think we're on the path to kind of do that, which I'm fine with because... Mm-hmm. The tag division is so thin anyways that you yep. could bounce back and forth and it's fine. The women's division is one of those where I think you could do this just to set up the four horsewomen at, at SummerSlam yep, um, at some point. So I don't know, but I, I think that that's a possibility. But I think night one this year will have implications for night two, which I, I love. I really love yep. that. I do,
0: too. I hope that makes a lot of sense, too. And to your point about Cody showing up on night one and making a match for night two, I think that's a great idea. I yeah. think that's a fantastic way to keep the eyeballs on it to bring him in. Not have to bring him in before WrestleMania, but hey, you know, Cody Rhodes showed up last night at WrestleMania. You have to tune in tonight to see what he does Yeah, kind of thing.
1: Because so. last I, I think the last report I saw was night one. There's only been 47,000 tickets sold night two there's been 50 so there's like <laughs> there's still a lot of of room as soon as stone cold yep. gets announced that number will go up i think after this edge and aj because this was before that mm-hmm. i think that number is going to go up so i think we're i think we're on the right path um but we just need some we need some bigger matches to take place at wrestlemania to get people interested enough to show up
0: we're a month away we still got time yeah. We're like literally one month from today we're yeah. Uh, As time of this recording and as you're listening, we're one month. So I I think we got time. So I feel comfortable with it. All right. If you're just now checking us out, welcome to the Pipe Bomb Wrestling Podcast, the show that is for the fans by the fans. If you're listening on SportsWire Radio, thank you so much for doing that. If you're listening on a traditional audio format, thank you for doing that as well. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Uh, Give us a five star review. That greatly helps the show. And if you're watching our smiling faces, on the Bodyslam.net YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button and the notifications bell. That way you get a notification each and every time someone from the Bodyslam.net uh, network. That's it. I tried to say that tw- too too fast and it did not come out right. Whoa! The Bodyslam.net network. I won't say that anymore. Um, <laughs> uploads an episode, all that kind of stuff. It's been a fun episode so far, so make sure you guys keep it right here um make sure you keep it tuned in here my name is chris belcher i'm your phenomenal host and with me as always is mr andy york the young buck and andy before we move on to aew um we we have a special guest that i promised last week we're gonna bring him in and he wanted to address some some wwe things Uh, he actually sent me a message a couple uh last week i think it was and said hey uh I'd like to talk on the podcast about this. Well, we always welcome special guests and opinions on this <laughs> podcast. So, ladies and gentlemen, joining us as he normally does for AEW pay-per-view previews, but he's got a little something else up his sleeve today, from the Bodyslam.net family, Mr. Trent Osborne. Trent, how's it going, man?
2: Uh, it's going well. How are you guys doing?
0: Man, we're We're hanging in there. Uh, it's been a wild, wild uh, a couple of months of wrestling and you know, it's not slowing down anytime soon. WrestleMania is right around the corner as we've been talking about Andy and I will be there in person. So things are, things are heating up, but it's going to be awesome. You're going to be at AEW revolution this Sunday in Orlando live and in person. And we're going to preview that whole card here in just a minute. But as I mentioned up top, we're going to talk about what you sent me a message about first and Andy and I have tried to avoid this topic as much as we can (laughs) in our previous WWE talk. We're going to talk about Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar is the current WWE champion two times in the last mm, month and a half or so. Yeah. Month (laughs) and a half, two months, whatever. Um, And everybody, including me has always been down on Brock Lesnar and what he does when he seemingly, Comes in the back door, hits some F5s, wins some championships, takes his money, and goes home. That's typical Brock Lesnar. Well, this time we're seeing a little bit different of a Brock Lesnar. We're seeing a babyface Brock Lesnar for the first time since 2003. So it's definitely a bit refreshing. But as Trent tweeted out the other day, it might seem refreshing, but it's still somewhat not working. Before we get into this, I'm going to read Trent's tweet. I'm going to let him dissect it a little bit, and then we're going to see where the conversation goes from there. Because if you've listened to this podcast any at all over the last three years, you know that I'm not the biggest Brock Lesnar fan either. So this conversation could get pretty interesting really quick. So Trent's tweet, as I quote about Brock Lesnar, as entertaining and great as Brock Lesnar is, the conversation about how the Brock Lesnar reign of terror has negatively affected the WWE the value of their world titles and the booking of almost all their other stars needs to happen at some point. Trent, let's have the conversation, brother Brock Lesnar and his reign of terror. What prompted that tweet and, and just kind of hash that out for us.
2: Well, before I start, I just want to make sure just so there's not any mix-ups with what I'm meaning with the tweet. I love Brock Lesnar. I think Brock Lesnar is one of the greatest of all time. I think what Brock Lesnar does in the ring and outside of it is great. So I'm not talking about the ability or the talent level of Brock Lesnar at all. Totally agreed. What I'm saying and I feel like most people what I feel like most people know how good and how valuable Brock can be when he's used right, which I don't feel like he's been used right in 6 years it feels like now. Right. What I mean by that tweet is If you look at the landscape of WWE in 2013-2014, winning a world championship felt like it meant a lot more than it does now, doesn't it?
0: Mm
2: -hmm. I mean, you look at WrestleMania 30 when Daniel Bryan won the world title. It's one of the greatest moments ever, most people would agree with. And now you look at 2021 where... Biggie wins it. And personally for me, and I love Biggie. Biggie's always been one of my favorite guys. It's like, good for him. My immediate thought was good for him. I know that meant a lot for him. And yep. it doesn't, I didn't think any differently of Biggie before he won the title as to after him winning the title, because I knew, and we all knew, okay, well he's just holding it till Brock decides he wants it, you know, and that's how the booking has been for the last six years. I get that you want to book somebody strongly and you want to have that main star because it's, in theory, you book a guy really strongly for a long amount of time and then you have a young up-and-coming star beat him, boom, you have another star made. They haven't exactly used Brock like that for the last however many years. Mm -hmm. I went and looked it up, and since Brock Lesnar came back in 2012, he has been beaten cleanly by six people. John Cena in his first match back, Triple H at WrestleMania 29. There's a three-and-a-half-year break after that from when he loses clean mm. to anybody. Mm. Then he loses to Goldberg. Yeah. Loses to Goldberg. Lost to Roman Reigns. He lost to Seth Rollins, and he lost to Drew McIntyre. First three people I just mentioned were already ready-made, first ballot Hall of Famers before they beat Brock. They weren't elevated in any way by beating Brock Lesnar. Roman was elevated by beating Brock Lesnar. Seth Rollins was elevated by beating Brock Lesnar, even though the the Fiend Hell in a Cell debacle happened just a few months after that. Kind of, kind of undercut that, but that's a different story entirely. Sure and, then, and then Drew. Drew felt like a big star when he beat Brock had it not been for COVID-19 and empty arenas. I feel like Drew McIntyre would have benefited greatly from that. But yep. Brock Lesnar's been back for 11 years, and we can point to... Two made main eventers from beating Brock Lesnar. Do the en- are the ends justifying the means of what this is is showing? And I felt I've been saying this to myself for years, mm-hmm. and I felt like I was just talking into the wind because nobody else seemed to agree with this opinion with me. And then after Elimination Chamber, when he comes in and beats Seth Rollins with one move, beats AJ Styles with one move. Uh, beats Matt Riddle with one move and then treats Austin Theory like he should be wrestling on Tuesday nights it I feel like more people now are looking at why this is an issue because when you have the world title where you have a guy come in win the world title leave for five months come back beat some guy leave for a few months it's it's devaluing, it's making everyone else on your roster outside of one guy, which is Roman Reigns, because now we can't even say Seth after what happened to Elimination Chamber. Right. There, is Roman, there is Brock Lesnar, there is Roman Reigns, there is a six-foot hole, and then there is whoever you consider to be the next top guy in WWE. And that's, I think, massively in part to the booking of Brock Lesnar since he came back from the UFC. Go
0: ahead, Andy. I know well, you had
2: a lot of
1: thoughts. Yeah, and no, I, I completely agree with everything. And I would even argue, you know, like you said, you got Brock, you got Roman. I would even argue Goldberg is three. And then it's all the way down because Goldberg's kind of had the same effect. Obviously, when he came in in 2016 and beat Brock in two minutes, that was a big deal because of the fact that nobody had beaten Brock in, what'd you say, three, three and a half years, something like that. Um, and so that was a big deal. That was, But that feud with Goldberg and Brock was special up until Fastlane 2016 when Goldberg took the title off of Kevin Owens because it was one of those things that didn't need the title. And that I think that's to the point where Brock is at now, where Brock does not need a championship to feel special at all. You could throw Brock in there with anybody, not have the WWE Championship, and the match already feels bigger than the title because they made Brock, they've made Brock Lesnar bigger than the WWE Championship at this point. And I think that's a real problem because... Brock is one of those guys that when he loses, I don't think he should lose often. I don't think he should lose every pay-per-view match he's in because obviously that takes away from him. But when he loses to a guy like Seth Rollins or to a guy like Drew McIntyre, it should elevate them straight to the moon. And the Drew instance, obviously, I don't think WWE could really help because of the pandemic and everything else. There was no fans in the audience. They couldn't really do anything with that. But with the Seth thing, it was like immediately they kind of devalued Seth Rollins in a lot of ways uh, right after he won the title. And I, I, you know, I I completely agree. I think Brock Lesnar has had this stranglehold on WWE. And I personally, I love, this is my favorite version of Brock Lesnar that we've ever gotten. Um, He's having fun. You can tell he's having fun. He's enjoying it. The, The fans are enjoying it, but there's got to come a point in time where Brock needs to become the guy that helps elevate people rather than, being the guy that's the final boss that nobody can get past. And I think that's really where we hit because Mm -hmm. you got to think about it. Who beat Kofi Kingston in seven seconds or whatever it was on SmackDown to win the WWE championship? Brock Lesnar. Who beat Bobby Lashley for the WWE championship? Brock Lesnar. Who beat Big E for the WWE championship? Brock Lesnar. There are a lot of other guys. And that's part of my fear with unifying the titles as well is because I don't think if you had two titles – Kofi Kingston wouldn't be WWE champion. Um, Big E wouldn't be WWE champion. I would argue AJ Styles might not be WWE champion. Um, And so there's a lot of concern by having just one title that you know is going to remain on Roman Reigns, on Brock Lesnar, and possibly Bill Goldberg the entire time.
0: I think you both make really good points. Um, And I'm going to try to find the middle here in all of this, because I do think there is some middle ground somewhere. We just have to try to find it. Um, I do agree with the point. Brock Lesnar is bigger than the title at this point. Brock Lesnar does not need championship matches at this point. Absolutely. Totally agree. Brock Lesnar should not be the end of the game boss that nobody can beat without a cheat code. I completely agree with that. However... WWE has done themselves the favor that they always do themselves. And they booked themselves into a corner with Brock Lesnar since 2012, because if you're going to bring Brock Lesnar back in 2012 and have him absolutely clobber John Cena, the minute he walks in the door, and I know Cena beat him in his first match back, but then I hearken back to that SummerSlam match where Brock Lesnar just absolutely destroyed him. And then Brock Lesnar beats the undertaker streak at WrestleMania. Okay. By squashing Super Cena, and by defeating the greatest streak of all time, who's the boss that's unbeatable? Okay, Brock Lesnar. Cool. That's fine. But now, if you are using Brock Lesnar to elevate people, which I get, Drew McIntyre deserves it. Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns deserves it. Because Brock Lesnar's not going to be around for forever. We know that. But there has to be some line of Brock Lesnar still establishing his dominance and being the beast and the big deal that he is and elevating people at the same time. And I just don't feel like WWE has found that ground as to how they can do both. So is it WWE's fault? Yes and no. Because Brock didn't do him any favors when he left in 4 and made himself a huge star outside of the WWE and then came back. Because that garners, imagine, imagine if, I, I know this is a different scenario because The Rock is a better uh, WWE guy than, than Brock is as far as doing the favors and that kind of thing. But imagine if, if The Rock came back full-time. Let's say The Rock had been full-time active since 2016. Like, how, what does that look like? The guy's a humongous superstar. Are you going to have him go out there and do the job to Austin Theory, for example? Like, that's, that's not going to happen. I'm not saying Brock Lesnar has to get beat by Austin Theory. I'm just saying they need to find, they need to find the common ground of elevating people and still keeping Brock dominant. Maybe that's keeping him away from the championship altogether. I, I, I don't know what the answer is. Um, but, I don't know.
2: Does that make sense? Trent, does that make sense to you? I see what you're trying to say, but my main issue with it is that I don't have an issue with Brock rarely ever losing. I don't have an issue with that at all. My main issue with it is, A, the people he's losing to, and B, at which the frequency is. Because nobody needs to go three and a half years without losing clean to somebody. Sure. It would be different. You mentioned The Rock. If if The Rock were on TV every few months for WWE, he is bringing in a much wider audience than Brock Lesnar. Absolutely he is. I've always been of the belief that it has been very overblown the amount that Brock Lesnar actually helps their ratings. And yes, I'm not saying Brock Lesnar is driving people away because clearly he's not, but look at how many people were watching Monday Night Raw in 2015 and how many people are watching Monday Night Raw now. He can't be helping that much. And another point is that you brought it up. He beat Brock Lesnar. He demolished John Cena like we've never seen. That 2015 run from WrestleMania 30 to the SummerSlam after WrestleMania 31, Brock was the best thing in wrestling, arguably, in in all of wrestling. He was awesome. The Royal Rumble triple threat with John Cena and Seth Rollins, the WrestleMania match with Roman Reigns, with Seth Rollins ended up being a part of that feud with the undertaker that a lot of people should give more love to. Cause that was really great stuff. Yep. That was great, but that was seven years ago now. Yep. And we're still doing this with Brock. Another point I forgot to bring up the last time Brock Lesnar had a match in WWE that had nothing to do with either a world championship or a world championship shot. i.e., the Royal Rumbler, the money in the bank was that Goldberg match in 2016. Yeah. And if you really want to be anal about it, that also led to a world championship match. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Go back even further if you wanted to be that guy. But it's Brock has been doing the same thing for years and years and years and years. And the ratings and the interaction and the buzz around WWE continues to slip and continues to slip and nothing is changing. And that could be the story of WWE last three years is – Things declining and nothing changing, but I think the main issue of that is the way that they've used Brock Lesnar. Because I feel like he could be used in much more practical and productive ways.
1: Yeah, no, I I completely agree. And one of the things is something that we obviously should add into this is people can look strong when they lose, and we see that all the time in, in wrestling, in AEW, even in WWE to an extent. Like Austin Theory after the Elimination Chamber felt bigger than he actually was going into the Elimination Chamber because of kind of how long he left like was left in there with Brock, everything else. But you can even go back to Survivor Series against AJ Styles, Survivor Series against Daniel Bryan. Both of those guys felt like big deals after their matches with Brock. So Brock losing, like we've kind of said, it should shouldn't happen frequently. But when it does happen, it should feel like a big deal and not like Yep. Okay, he beat Brock. Brock's gonna get his win back in a couple months at SummerSlam or at WrestleMania, and then here we go again with a new guy with a new story, where Brock ultimately wins at the end of the story. And I, I think that that is a massive issue that, you know, something that we have harped on in this podcast for a long time, and something I think all wrestling fans have harped on in WWE is their lack of an ability to create new stars. And yep. it's it's really like if you have to rely on, look at WrestleMania this year you have to rely on a possible Stone Cold Steve Austin match, a possible Logan Logan Paul match, a Bad Bunny match, a Pat McAfee match, a Vince McMahon match, all outside people from their main roster that they have to bring in to make WrestleMania feel like a big deal. When a possibility of a Seth Rollins versus Kevin Owens main event at WrestleMania should feel like a massive deal if you build these stars up the right way. And they have not done that. They have... Ever since The Rock, and I blame The Rock for this, and it's not his fault, but I blame The Rock for this. Since him and Stone Cold, and you could argue John Cena, they're not going to let anybody be bigger than the WWE brand. And that is the thing that they are going with now. Nobody is going to be bigger than their brand. And that's why they, I feel like they refuse to let new stars other than a Brock Lesnar and a Roman Reigns be like a massive star. There's no reason why a Seth Rollins shouldn't be one of the faces of WWE or a Kevin Owens or, you know, a guy that just like a guy that just left Cesaro should have been a really big deal in WWE. He was not Keith Lee, which I have harped on multiple times on this podcast should have been a big deal. He was not. And so there's their lack of creating stars is really hurting them. They, they're doing it in the men's division. They're doing it in the women's division. And we're seeing that effect take place because it's the same thing when we come to WrestleMania here's Brock Lesnar in the main event. Here's Roman Reigns in the main event. Here's so-and-so in the main event. And it's it's really starting to become repetitive and somewhat, you know, lazy at this point.
0: Let me go back to Brock Lesnar for just a second because I think there's a point that we kind of missed here. Um, well, not really missed, but that should be brought up. You look at all these matches. Let's take the Chamber... Well, no, let's take the Chamber match out because if you read some of the reports, a lot of the reports are saying they were running low on time, so... Let's say that is the case. Let's throw that out. Let's look back at Kofi Kingston, um, and let's look back at a couple other matches that lasted eight seconds to two minutes tops. Okay. Well, now let's look at AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan, Seth Rollins, Finn Balor. Let's look at those matches. Brock Lesnar shows that when Brock Lesnar cares, he can be in a lengthy match. And make it really, really good. So, to your all's point of putting people over, Brock doesn't have to lose all the time. But what is the harm in getting Brock Lesnar out there for 20 minutes? At the most, 20 minutes. And let him put somebody over, he can still win the match. Because we all know one mistake turns into an F5, and one F5 seals the deal. You know, not many people kick out of the F5. So... Why not? And maybe this is maybe this is a possible solution to bridge the gap as, as to what we're talking about here. Maybe have Brock wrestle for 20 minutes at a time. When he wrestles, it feels more special if he's in there for longer. A guy looks better. If Brock wants to win, okay, fine. Brock's going to be the unbeatable monster. We obviously can't change that. It hasn't changed since 2012. So, but let's get more out of it. Does he need the championship? Probably not. But if Brock goes in there with the championship or fighting for a championship, goes for 20 minutes, and it still makes the championship feel big, I think it goes back to, honestly, Vince McMahon's um, stereotypical wrestler. When you look at the WWE, the airport philosophy, walking through an airport, oh, that's somebody. That's a big deal. Well, Brock Lesnar looks... Like a big deal. He is a big deal. So he needs to be front and center. And I don't think any of us are arguing that. We just need to get more more out of it. Especially at this point. Because like I said earlier guys. Brock's not going to be around for forever. I'm sure this. You know. He went a year and a half before he. From WrestleMania 36. To SummerSlam this last year. That's a year and a half uh, without appearing. So I would say that after. WrestleMania this year, if he loses, that might be the end of his run for right now. Who knows when he'll be back? You know what I mean? I don't know who wants to jump in there. Who wants to jump in there? Anybody got any thoughts?
2: It's definitely possible with Brock. You never know. You know, it's the old Paul Heyman adage. Brock Lesnar does what Brock Lesnar wants to do. And I think that's not just a wrestling storyline. I think it's absolutely true. But you brought it up as a good point. He doesn't need the title. We'll look at somebody that I know all of us love. Look at how Sting has been used in AEW. He hasn't caught a whiff of a championship. And yet, every time Sting is on TV, it's a really big deal. Sting is in a six-man tag at the pay-per-view. And I know some people have been, and I don't want to bury the lead. I'm sure we'll get to this in a little bit. Oh, a six-man tag on pay-per-view. It's Sting. Right. It's Sting. It's Sting. <laughs> right. it, it, it's the same thing. It could be the same thing with Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar could go out there and wrestle I, I, from what it seems like he doesn't want to, but a match with Matt Riddle would be huge. And yeah. Matt Riddle, maybe the fourth or fifth biggest guy on Raw right now. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know. I don't keep up with the week to week, but you get what I'm trying to say. Brock Lesnar versus insert wrestler here is a big deal. Brock should be wrestling for titles on a semi-regular basis because it's Brock Lesnar, and you want to keep that aura of this is a big deal. You don't want that to slip, but they have have overblown this to the moon, and I think it was overblown four years ago, and it hasn't slowed down any bit since then.
0: It hasn't. It really hasn't, and until Brock leaves, it probably won't slow down, and then to Andy's point, when Brock leaves, we're in the boat of, okay, how do we elevate the rest of the guys? Oh, geez, I hope the world didn't forget about Seth Rollins. Oh, geez, I hope the world didn't forget about, insert name here, because Brock Lesnar's gone. So, this will be an ongoing situation. Um, This is going to be something that we're going to continue to talk about and press in about, and yada, 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 until something changes, and I'm going to bet my money on nothing is going to change. Um, <laughs> that being said, though, let's let's transition to AEW. Uh, we generally spend our Wednesday show, or our midweek show, rather, um, leading up to a pay-per-view, spending the majority of our time previewing the pay-per-view. But we have spent some time talking about WWE here. Um, but we asked Trent to come on and, and talk about Brock Lesnar, and, and that's what we did. And now we're going to talk about AEW, Revolution Revolution. Um, guys, let's just start at the top of the card. Um, the AEW World Heavyweight Championship match, the match that everybody has been wanting to see, the match that I didn't think we were actually going to get because I thought Kenny Omega would be back by now, but that's probably going to happen in the very, very, very near future. Um, but here we are, Hangman Adam Page defending his AEW Championship against Adam Cole. Uh, Trent, you being the guest, I will give the floor to you first. Man, what, what's your thoughts on this match?
2: I have actually been pretty cold on this match in comparison to how most people have felt about it. I think that they definitely could have done a better job at building Adam Cole up as a main event superstar level guy to main event this pay-per-view. Not that Adam Cole isn't a superstar and not that you need to do a ton with Adam Cole to make him feel like he deserves to win a world title. Like he says, he's won a world title on every company he's ever wrestled for. But... Adam Cole has been in two feuds since he's joined AEW, and that was against the Jurassic Express and against Orange Cassidy, and he lost the blow off match in both of them. Yep. I get that, you know, the lights out match doesn't count, which I feel like they're using as a crutch now, but that's a whole other conversation. I've been in very in depth conversations with with the people around me about this. I'm gonna not not gonna get on, on a tangent about it. But <laughs> Adam Cole has lost both of the big blow-off matches in both of the feuds he's been in, and it feels like even now, I mean, what's the biggest thing Adam Cole is involved in right now isn't Adam Page or the World Championship, it's this feud between Red Dragon and the Young Bucks. And it kind of feels like the world title is secondary. Now, I think that Adam Page is going to win at the pay-per-view, and if Adam Page wins at the pay-per-view, then... It's not a big deal. We're going to get a great match out of it. Adam Cole is going to make him look great like he always does. Adam Page is going to make Adam Cole look great like he always does. We're going to have a great match. It's going to be what it is. If Adam Cole wins the title, A, it's a very abrupt end to what I think has been a really good reign by Hangman in the opportunities that he's gotten. He's made everything out of every opportunity he's gotten on camera. And it puts Adam Cole at the world title in a spot where he gets a lot of interesting... Routes to go storyline-wise because you have the Young Bucks and Adam Page and Red Dragon and possibly a returning Kenny Omega and maybe even the Jay White thing. There's a lot of ways to go with that, but I think absolutely 100% Adam Page retaining is the way to go.
0: Uh, Let me piggyback on that and then, Andy, you can chime in real quick. Um, Andy and I had a lengthy discussion last week at the end of our episode. Thank you, Katie, for coming on, by the way. Um, we had a lengthy conversation at the end of our episode last week that I want to get Trent's thoughts on. Um, and then Andy, again, you can chime in. Um, you said you thought Adam Page has had a very good title reign. Um I'm gonna disagree. And I'm not gonna say that it's not been good matches because listen, Atlanta Archer match was ridiculous. The Brian Danielson match was ridiculous. Like, I have enjoyed all all of his matches, like, since he's been champion. Not taking anything away from the guy in ring, all that kind of stuff. I'm not taking anything away. What I have a hard time with is I don't feel like that AEW is making them the center of attention. And what I mean by that is, I brought this up last week. We went to AEW in Nashville two weeks ago. You know how much merchandise for Adam Cole was at the merchandise stand? or Sorry, Adam Page at the merchandise stand? Zilch. Nada. Nothing. That's your world heavyweight champion. And the point I made was, how dare WWE show up to an event without Roman Reigns merchandise? Like, that will never happen. And I'm not, I'm not saying that WWE is better than AEW from that perspective. What I'm saying is, If a casual fan walked into the National Municipal Auditorium for Dynamite, saw the world heavyweight champion, Hangman Adam Page, and said, I really like that guy. I want to get his T-shirt before I leave. Guess what? You Got to wait two to three weeks because you got to go to shopAEW.com and pre-order it and then hope they don't have shipping delays so then you can get your shirt. To me, that just doesn't look right. So I'm not saying it's not a success, but there's a disconnect somewhere. I just don't know where it is.
2: Go ahead. Sorry. I, you you may be surprised to hear this, but I absolutely agree with you 100%. Okay. Because he hasn't been the center of attention at any point in his world title reign because they've had other stuff going on, the great CM Punk, MJF stuff that's been going on. I'm sure we'll get to that in just a little bit. Yep. But he hasn't been the center of attention. And I think... That's been a hindrance to him. I don't think it's been fair because like I just said, he's knocked it out of the park every time he's been on screen, whether it's been a promo segment match doesn't matter. I mean, he had arguably the best match all of last year with Brian Danielson. And then he's kicked off this year, which what could arguably be the best match at the end of this year with Brian Danielson. And then he had another great match with Lance Archer and he's going to have another great match with Adam Cole at the pay-per-view. I hope that after we get past revolution, we start treating Adam Page like the big deal that he is. Because you were in Nashville. You heard it. The reactions this guy is getting, it's ridiculous. Even yep. with not getting top billing on these shows, he's still getting arguably the biggest reaction to the nights when he comes out. People love this guy. He's your world champion. You've booked him well on TV when it comes to wins and losses. Treat him like it. I, yep. I agree 100%. Andy.
1: Yeah, th- this match to me is a uh, is a coin toss in a lot of ways because I I completely agree that I think if you end Hangman Page's title right now, it's in a very abrupt and it feels like you've cut it off before it's even really started um, because he's obviously been one of the hottest guys in AEW. Probably got like the third biggest pop of the night in Nashville because that Eddie Kingston pop when he returned was massive. Um, but I... I I could see them going a lot of different ways with this match because I could see Adam Cole beating Hangman Page, and then at the end of the night, Kenny Omega comes out, and if Red Dragon wins the tag titles earlier in the night or whatever, and then now you have the potential split between the elite that could lead to a Kenny Omega versus Adam Cole match at Double or Nothing. But honestly, I, I completely agree with you, Trent. I think keeping the title on Page for a while is probably the the right place to go and start making him feel like the big deal because honestly, I think the person that takes the title off of him is MJF. I think that storyline we get to Hangman Page versus MJF for the AEW title at some point down the line is going to be the end of, you know, Hangman's run, but also elevating MJF even more Um, because it's arguably MJF is the best thing, one of the best things, if not the best thing in AEW right now with the thing he's doing with Punk and the matches he's been putting on and all of that stuff. So, honestly, I... I wouldn't be shocked if they go either way, but my gut is telling me that Hangman Page is more than likely going to walk away retaining the title. I still wouldn't be shocked if Kenny Omega does show up, even no matter who wins this match. If Kenny Omega shows up at the end of it, he's probably going to get a rematch, maybe even at double or nothing. We get a triple threat between Page, Cole, and Omega for the title or something like that. But I completely agree. I think Hangman Page walks away with the title.
0: I'm in I'm uh, Just, just so you guys know. <laughs> Uh, I think he walks away with the title too. Unfortunately. Go ahead, Trent.
2: Unfortunately. Wow.
0: Unfortunately, baby. Hey,
2: look, I've got, I've got an Adam Cole shirt over here in the closet. (laughs) Trust me. I I love Adam Cole as much as the next guy. I just think it would be a real disservice to Hangman page and the great work he's done to cut him off. He's here. I personally, from what I'm, from what we heard in the Kenny Omega interview with Dave Meltzer on Observe, Wrestling Observer Radio, I don't think we're going to see Kenny Omega anytime soon. Mm. I would be I would be surprised from the way he's talking if we see Kenny Omega before All Out in September. Um, I hopefully I hope you guys are right, and I hope Kenny's maybe just laying it on a little bit. Ho- hopefully, we do see him at Revolution. Being in the crowd for that would be insane. That place is going to explode. But Kenny seems like he's a long ways away, and I hope that he takes as much time as he he needs to get as close to 100% as he can because this isn't a, a knock on Kenny Omega, but AEW doesn't really need him right now. They're in a really great spot. They don't feel like they're missing something without Kenny Omega, but once Kenny gets back, especially if Kenny Omega's at that 2017 level or if anywhere near it, this company in this roster and the matches they're going to have are going to be taken to the next level
0: sure a healthy Kenny Omega is good for everybody that's for sure um because as a conversation we just had Kenny Omega doesn't need the title to have great matches and elevate people so uh, we can all three agree on that um let's go to another match where we're going to talk one more match in depth and then we're going to kind of rapid fire see what everybody's looking forward to that kind of thing and of course the match we're going to talk about in depth is the rematch long awaited between MJF and CM Punk this time in a dog collar match. Now, Andy and I were in the building when they announced this was going to be the match type. So Trent, I have to get your quick thoughts. What do you think of the dog collar stipulation? Should they have gone somewhere else? Do you like this?
2: Well, prior to this past Wednesday and that fantastic promo from MJF, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit in a second, I was all for it. I think it's perfect. I think CM Punk doing his best Jay-Z impression with the double and <laughs> really my Valentine. I think yep. CM Punk hasn't lost a step on that microphone or in the ring. I think it's great. Right. I think all dog collar match is a perfect blow off for this. I think it's earned, especially after MJF beat CM Punk in Chicago twice. Uh, they make sure to <laughs> reference that twice, which makes me think CM Punk is going to win at the pay-per-view so they can say, hey, MJF beat him twice, you know. But i i think it's i think it's perfect match. I think both of those guys, with how much they love old school wrestling, and I'm sure they've both watched that Piper Valentine match from '82, I believe '82 or
0: yeah, either '82 or '83. Can't remember. Maybe 83. I think it's '83. I think it was the same pay per view as Flair and Harley race.
2: I I think you might be right, actually. But yeah, I'm sure they've watched that match a thousand times. They're gonna have their own unique spin on it. It's one of the matches I'm looking forward to the most.
0: Okay, here's where I'm going to be critical of AEW's booking. Ready? Uh, leave it to me to throw a wrench in everything. <laughs> Listen, guys, I'm much more of an AEW fan than I ever thought I would be. Let me just say that. But here's where I'm going to be critical about AEW's booking, and I'm going to reference the, CM- uh, the uh, sorry the MJF promo from last week. Fantastic promo. Okay, MJF can deliver a promo better than just about anybody in the history of the wrestling business. And he's 25 years old, okay? So, kudos to that guy, okay? But here's my gripe. And I feel like AEW has done this before, and it's, always, it's never sat well with me. So, I want to get your guys' take on this. The heel cutting a feel-sorry-for-me promo ain't it working. Like, MJF cuts the promo, very heartfelt, touches a lot of nerves, is totally honest, in some respects, breaks character, and you've got Tony Schiavone, who is ready to bury the guy six feet underground and beat the snot out of him on the way down, is the first one to chime in and feel sorry for him. I'm not saying that's bad booking. I just, in a situation where you have an ultimate baby face, like CM Punk, and an ultimate heel, like MJF, Like I get that CM Punk is now questioning his... What have you? But I just don't know that. Like the the story was writing itself. I don't. I just don't think you had to go with this. Feel sorry for me promo, because now a lot of people are. Like, um, is MJF going to get booed on Wednesday? Of course he's going to get booed. He's going to get booed pay per view. Of course he is. But Andy, I just, I don't know. I, I don't understand. That logic. Am I totally way off here? What, what, what do you think?
1: Well, I think something we've talked about before is the best heels are the ones that bring up the best points. Because you know they're right. And they're telling these stories. I think that's, that's part of the draw with MJF. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's it's one of those of the story was telling itself. To me, it adds a lot more to this match. Because, you know, as you can tell from the shield behind me and the hammer behind me. I'm a big comic book fan guy. And one of the most compelling things about comic book is when the villain makes the hero, we think everything. Um, and I think that's, that's kind of what we're getting here is, you know, MJF is telling the story to play mind games with CM Punk even more to wh- whatever happens, kind of pulling the curtain back on the podcast. Cause we're recording this before dynamite. Um, whatever happens on Wednesday night, will more than likely, make MJF have nuclear heat going into revolution um, sure. kind of playing off of this. So I think it adds even more. I think they're going to try to stack the deck against CM Punk to make him, like you said, he was already the ultimate baby face. I think they're going to make him the like mega baby face whenever he goes into revolution um, to have this match with MJF, because I, I think we're going to get to the point where the thing that's going to make the match better is when everybody gets to see, cause it's going to happen is when everybody, when everybody gets to see MJF bleed because of CM Punk. And I think that is the story that they're telling is, you know, have this heartfelt moment between the two. Maybe Punk comes out Wednesday and, and tries to make amends or whatever, and then MJF just snaps and beats him up or whatever, whatever the case is going to be. And then now we head into revolution with this mega heat on
2: MJF even more. Trent? I think the both of you are right. I'm going to make a very weird <laughs> analogy here, but I need to ask. Have either of you ever seen the movie Batman Returns? Yes. It's been a
0: long time, but yes.
2: <laughs> okay. So I was just watching it last night, and as you were talking, Chris, about the Tony Schiavone point, it made me think of that movie. Because for those of you who haven't seen the movie, I mean, it came out in uh, 1992. I don't know the age <laughs> watching this podcast. But the whole point of the movie is at the beginning is that the penguin comes out and he has a sob story about how he wants to find out who his parents are. He was an orphaned and all this. And everyone is, is believing him, including Batman himself, Mm -hmm. which is kind of like Tony Schiavone believing MJF. Why did Batman and Alfred and all these people believe MJF in the story? Because as it all descended and everyone was like, "Mm, I don't know about this. I think that next week we're going to get a big turn from MJF that, like Andy said, a lot of people are going to be hating him even more going into this match. But I do agree with Chris in this aspect that I was very confused after the promo. It's one of the best promos I've ever heard. MJF killed it. It was one of the best things I've seen on weekly wrestling TV in my entire 22 years of watching wrestling. But I was very confused afterwards because I was thinking to myself, Who am I supposed to be rooting for? Because it's a great point of the story of MJF being the villain that CM Punk created is really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. CM Punk having to now fight his own demons of I am reaping what I sowed. This is the devil rebuking the sin, so to speak. But why are you doing this two weeks before the match? That's what I thought. This is a very elaborate story, and it's a great story you want to tell, but I think it's one that deserves a lot more than two weeks to tell it. So I do think it's a very weird dynamic. I hope that next week we just get MJF, Punk Kick, and CM Punk. I got into wrestling for the money, blah, 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 blah. And then that's just it. You know, yeah. A lot of people won't like that because it kind of undercuts the promo, but I think that that is the best setup for the match on Sunday. I think it's going to be interesting
0: either way that they go. Um, cause I can see the, you know, the hero questioning everything, you know, I, I get all that. I just, I, you know, like you, Trent, I, I just kind of thought it was weird. Like it's two weeks before the pay-per-view that kind of thing. It's just, it, it was just kind of strange. Now, if we had done this six weeks ago, okay, it's fleshed out. We understand where we are, that kind of thing. We can look back. I just, I don't want what they do next to have to recover from this, take away from the greatness that was that promo. That's what I'm concerned about. All right, guys. Um, I'm going to throw to Trent first being the guest. What's another match on the card? I know we've got a lot of stuff. Uh, We've got the face of the Revolution ladder match that hasn't totally been filled out yet at the point of this recording. Um, We've got an AEW women's title match. We've got the six man that you mentioned earlier. A trios match for the Tag Team Championship. Uh, All kinds of craziness. Trent, what are you looking forward to uh, that we haven't talked about on this card?
2: There's a lot to choose from. I'm partial to the latter match myself. I'm very interested to see how half of this match being filled up with big meaty men slapping me. Thank you, yes. Keith Lee, Wardlow, and Powerhouse Hobbs, not to mention Ricky Starks, who's – I don't know why he's not on AEW Dynamite more than he is, but I digress. Right. Ricky Starks is great. Orange Cassidy is great. This uh, empty spot could be – a million different people, and I think all of them are going to be great. I doubt they let us down with that. That match is going to be great. I am a bit partial to... I think the best match of the night is going to be John Moxley and Brian Danielson. Sure. If I had to pick what I think the best match is going to be. The match I'm most intrigued by that's not one we already discussed is probably Chris Jericho and Eddie Kingston.
0: Mm.
2: I think that's the biggest toss-up of the night because... Hopefully this ends with Eddie Kingston getting his first big pay per view win, but I can see Chris winning and them extending this further because they those two have a year long feud and it would never get stale. The two of them are just so good. <laughs> Absolutely, but those, they do. those two, those three definitely stick out to me.
0: All right, let's let's touch on a couple of those real quick. Real quick, pre or not preview re- predictions. The mystery spot in the ladder match, Trent. Who do you think it is?
2: If you if my life was on the line and I had to guess who I think it's going to be, I would go with Shane Strickland just because he's been free the longest. He's already doing things with New Japan and Defy and this, that, and the other. Yep. Hoping it's Cesaro. <laughs> Claudio Castagnoli being there for the reaction of him making his AEW debut would be insane. Same yep. thing with Johnny Gargano, who I feel like not a lot of people are bringing up as a possibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, whoa whoa what, <laughs> boys, well what was that?
1: He
0: doesn't want Johnny in AEW. I'm very <laughs> salty on Johnny going to AEW <laughs> just because Johnny that little him leaving NXT literally ripped my heart out. I I just I I, I don't want to see him in AEW. Staying in AEW hurts me bad enough. Like I get why he's there. I understand. <laughs> Listen, I understand it all. It's cool. It's fine. Don't get me started on a sting tangent. This can't be Stark ninety seven, okay? Oh, no, no, but, no, 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 no. Um <laughs> no, Johnny showing up in AEW, like that would just I, I would that would that would crush me. It really would. Um, but I think he's a good I I'm gonna say for my prediction for the ladder match, I'm gonna say Jay White. He's kind of tinkered a little bit. He wouldn't be like a First-time show up, but, I mean, pay-per-view's coming up. They just announced him, like, as being part of AEW. Why not put him in there? I, I think that would get a good reaction. So I'm going to go with Jay White. Andy, what do you got?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think both of those are really good. I just – I saw this on Twitter, and it made my heart so happy that I want it to be true. I want Cesaro in this to win just because you have to grab the brass ring at the end to win the match and have him do that because of the Vince McMahon stone cold podcast episode that was released saying Vince saying he would never, ever do that. I just love the visual. Obviously, AEW takes a lot of shots at WWE. I think that would just be another one. Some are not needed to me. Cesaro more than more than deserves to have his day in the sun. And I I think that's a great way for that to happen. If it's not Cesaro, um, throw Jay lethal in there. Jay lethal would be so much fun. I'd, Yep. I absolutely love Jay. Jay Lethal's been the guy, other than Keith Lee showing up in AEW, Jay Lethal is the guy that I'm the most excited for in AEW because he is just so good. Um, and that's part of the reason why I wouldn't be upset if Adam Cole won the title because then I would love to see another Adam Cole versus Jay Lethal four-world title feud like they did in Ring of Honor a couple of years ago. That was amazing, so I'd love to see that again. But yeah, I, I think it's either going to be Jay Lethal or Cesaro.
0: Let me ask you a question about Let's go to Chris Jericho real quick. Um, Trent, you mentioned that's the one that you're looking forward to the most. A question that I have written down in my notes, and I can't believe that I actually wrote this down, <laughs> but, it, it, but it came to my head, and I feel like I have to vocalize it. It's what a good podcast host does. He asks the hard questions. Is Chris Jericho's luster and popularity fading? Like, is he? Does he still feel like a big deal to you, Trent? Like I know we sing Judas every week and it's one of the highlights of dynamite every week or every show that he's on, but is he starting to lose that a little bit? Do, is it time to change the character of Chris Jericho a little bit?
2: Do I think he's as popular as he was when AEW first started? No, I don't think that he is, but that's because he's also taken a step back from the main event scene. I don't think that that's a bad thing. I think that is a testament to how great AEW is that they don't have to rely on Chris Jericho main eventing pay-per-views to sell tickets. Do I think that he needs to change up the character? Absolutely not. I think what Chris is doing right now is great. I think the inner circle stuff had kind of run its course and we Mm -hmm. should have maybe put old Yeller down just a little (laughs) bit before we ended up doing it. But if there's one guy – it is a cheat code feud to get you back to doing your best stuff. It's Eddie Kingston. Mm. That's why I'm not mad at all at Chris Jericho winning this match and then building up even more to Eddie winning it. I like the "you can't win the big one" story that they're playing up now. I, it's I'm, it's it's a big cliche. And if my old instructor Rishi Baron is watching this, Chris's old instructor Rishi Baron is watching this. He hates cliches, but it's Iron Shirt time. You know. Chris Jericho is not going to get in the ring with somebody as good as Eddie Kingston and get out class. That's not going to happen. And Chris Jericho, when he's on, he is still absolutely one of the best in the world. So I think the position they have Chris in right now is great. I think it's great for Chris. I think it's great for AEW. It's a much better use of a big star than Brock Lesnar is to tie into what we were talking about earlier. I think Chris putting on really entertaining, feuds and storylines in the middle of pay-per-view cards is a perfect spot for him at 51, 52 years old now. Mm -hmm. Something like that. Andy, what's your thoughts on that?
1: I I completely agree. And I think, I think we are starting to see somewhat of a character change with Jericho and the fact that he's been more heelish recently. Yep. Um, I mean, we saw it in the, in the tag match in Nashville. He was definitely the heel in that scenario, him and Hager were definitely the heels in that scenario. Um, and the, I mentioned a few minutes ago, but the Eddie Kingston pop that he got in Nashville when he returned was one of the biggest pops I've heard in, in my life in wrestling. Um, and so that was, that whole thing was that, that whole story is really going really well. And I think what's going to happen at revolution is I think Jericho does win. And I think he really fully cements himself as a heel at revolution to kind of tell this story going forward with Eddie Kingston when they get to double or nothing Eddie Kingston gets that win back over a uh, heel Chris Jericho because could you imagine a heel Jericho right now kind of going through with some of these other guys in AEW I mean you could throw a Darby Allen versus a heel Jericho in there and that whole thing kind of takes itself off um bring it back around if you wanted to to maybe a heel Jericho after this goes after Sammy Guevara's TNT championship after the whole inner circle thing and kind of you know you could kind of tell that story as you go along as well but I think this match is going to be the match that might be the one of the most underrated going into the pay per view, but is the one that might deliver the most if it's handled the right way and done the right way. And I'm really excited for this one.
0: Andy, what's another one you're looking forward to uh, that we haven't talked about yet?
1: Um, I'm looking forward to the ladder match, obviously. Um, and anytime there's a six man tag on AEW pay per view, it's just it's going to be absolutely ridiculous. But the tag the the triple threat tag team match is going to be on another level because you've already got Jurassic express in there. Who is amazing. I have to say that. Otherwise my wife might kill me. Um, <laughs> but um, the only reason why she went to AW was to see jungle boy. So that's, that's fine. Um, Good thing. He
0: came out at the end. Then. He came out right at the end. Cause she was,
1: she was very mad. And then he came out and she was like, okay, this is the best thing in the world. Um, but you already got Jurassic express there. You got red dragon in there more than likely because obviously we're recording this before, Dynamite more than likely, I would say, the Young Bucks are the third team added to this to kind of continue to tell that Red Dragon, Young Bucks story. Yep. And when you've got three of the best tag teams in the world in one match, it's going to be insane. So I think that's probably the match that might still the entire show is that match.
0: That being said, you've got two of the biggest high-profile, big-name spotlight teams in Red Dragon and the Young Bucks, but did Jurassic Express retain the titles here,
1: Andy? I don't think so. I think Red Dragon get it because I think that kind of advances the storyline of the split in the elite that we're kind of seeing with Adam Cole mm-hmm. um, and between the Young Bucks and then, you know, whenever Kenny Omega shows up and with Jay White and all of that, it seems like, and especially with what happened on Impact, which I love the fact that you kind of have to watch Impact to kind of see all this other stuff kind of unfolding at the same time. Um, but I, I really think Red Dragon walk away with the titles here because, you know, <clears throat> they just came in. They're they're kind of going through, it. and I think you know if Red Dragon pins the Young Bucks to win the titles. I think that really kind of advances the storyline, and you want to make them feel kind of like a big deal as they're coming in. Um, and I think this is a great way for that to happen.
0: Prediction, Trent, for this match.
2: I think Andy's probably right. I don't think Jurassic Express wins. I don't think that happens. I think Red Dragon most likely wins. I also don't think it's a lock that the Young Bucks win necessarily because I could see after what happened last week on Dynamite, maybe Red Dragon costing them the shot at the match. People Mm -hmm. seem to forget we still have a Joker for this Casino Tag Team Battle Royal. Who that is, I'm Mm. not Personally... I would like for it to be top flight with a returning Darius Martin teaming with his younger brother, Dante. I think that would be very cool. Mm -hmm. Especially Dante Martin is one of your most popular stars. Not on the card yet. Opportunity possibly to get him on there. And maybe they do that to save the Young Bucks-Red Dragon interaction for double or nothing in a straight-up 2-on-2 match. But I do think most likely, if I had to guess, I would say the Red Dragon is probably walking away with the titles.
0: I just worry about... Again, we talked about Adam Page and his title run earlier. I just, I'm I'm kind of down on Jurassic Express tag team title reign. I know they've defended a lot on Rampage, but for as big a deal as they feel like, I just, I don't feel like they've elevated the tag titles. So maybe that's just me. Maybe that's, um, I don't know, maybe that's the lens that I'm looking at all this through. But in any event, I do think Red Dragon doesn't win the match. Uh, I do think they can away with the titles. Um I just think that's the best way to go here. If I'm picking a match that I'm looking forward to, I'll be a homer, and I'll say the six-man tag match. (laughs) Sting, Darby Allen, and Sammy Guevara uh, against Andrade, Isaiah Cassidy, and Matt Hardy. Basically, because I'm interested to see how the rest of this story is going to play out. I don't know if we're totally done with Sammy and Darby yet. I feel like it's a match you can just go back to at any time, and they can... Put on an instant classic like we saw in person, it was worth the price of admission for sure. Um, but I'm also interested on the other side to see this Andrade, Matt Hardy, um, uh, Hardy Family Office deal and how Jeff Hardy is going to work into this whenever he does, and how Andrade and Sammy Guevara and the you know the TNT title and all that stuff, how it's all going to play out. I think it's going to be really interesting and then. Again, anytime I get to see Sting wrestle, I'm I'm locked in. Um, I may not agree with everything they've done with him in AEW, but putting him in the ring, I can't argue with that. I just wish they'd do it in a singles capacity against I don't know Chris Jericho, maybe sixty
2: three years old Chris <laughs>
0: against the against the fifty two year old Chris Jericho. Sign me up. That's a years. I'm in. I was Eleven
2: years old. Eleven years ago. <laughs>
0: I'm just saying I want a singles match With Sting before it's all said and done He's proven he can do it He's, uh, the guy can do it I have, I have, no, I have no doubt about that Alright, let's get ready to put a bow On this preview, we've talked in depth About a couple of things Of course, um, it, we, we didn't really talk About Brian Danielson and John Moxley But we can all agree that Probably when this pay-per-view ends That's the match we're going to be talking about um, and The tag match is going to be great But listen there's no need for us to dissect Brian Danielson and John Moxley because they're, they're going to do it. Um, we've got Jake Cargill and Ty Conti for the TBS championship. Uh, Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa for the AEW Women's Championship. Quickly, Trent, is this the night? Is Britt finally dethroned on this night? Yes. I was afraid you were going to say that.
1: Andy? Um, I don't know. This match was thrown together. Kind of quickly, like it, it. It kind of came out of nowhere, but it's it's one of those of Thunder Rosa and Britt Breaker. I mean, the promo she cut on Rampage got me excited for the match itself, uh, mm-hmm. which was amazing. And I think this might be the night that Britt kind of loses the title to Thunder Rosa because I mean, we saw it in Nashville. Thunder Rosa is one of the hottest women in in AEW with the crowd right now. Like she she has she got one of the biggest pops of the night. The match that she had with Mercedes Martinez was a ama- like really really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I expect Thunder Rosa to walk away with the title.
0: I think if there's anybody to take the title off of Britt Baker, that's not named Ruby Soho, it's Thunder Rosa. So I'm going to agree. It's I think this is the night that Britt drops the title. All right. As we do, when we sign off of all of our midweek shows, we hand out our high spots and turd sandwiches, the highs and the lows of the wrestling business. But on a pay-per-view preview show, we are picking our high spots and turd sandwiches for the pay-per-view. I know I'm putting these two guys in a very bad spot because they don't like to pick turd sandwiches
1: on AEW
0: pay-per-views.
2: I on get any it. Pay-per-view. Don't say it like that.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Okay. On I'll any- say it
1: on any AEW pay-per-view because WWE, I can pick it out pretty quickly. <laughs>
0: okay well i'm gonna pick out my turd sandwich first of this AEW pay-per-view and it sticks out to me like a sore thumb and it's ty conti and jay cargill for the tbs championship i don't even know that i'll watch this match if i'm being honest um i've been very vocal about how i do not like the booking of jay cargill um and i don't think it's getting any better so i do think that is going to be the worst thing on the card having said that Come on, guys. At least I didn't say something like a Young Bucks match or something. I mean, like, at least I'm not hating on your boys. Come on now. I love Trent's face. It's so funny. Well, if we're
2: going to get the Young Bucks, don't have a match as of right now. So
0: technically, they don't. That's right. (laughs) That is correct. All right, Trent, if you have to pick one thing, not that you think is going to be like the absolute worst thing on the card, but something that doesn't stack up as well as the rest of the card.
2: I, if I, if I'm being forced to pick one, which I am, there's a gun right now, you guys just just can't see it. I would lean towards the two people with the least amount of pay-per-view experience on this card, which would be Jade Cargill and Ty Conti. Now that Jade Cargill and a J match from, I believe it was a rampage a few weeks ago was much, much, much better than anybody myself included could have expected. I think Jade is getting better very quickly. There's obviously a lot of refining to do. She hasn't been wrestling for very long. Ty, I think, is the same way. I think Ty is even further along at this point than Anna Jay is. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if this match surprised a few people. I wouldn't be surprised if this match wasn't the worst thing on the show. Mm. But just playing the odds, there's a lot of inexperience going on with this match. I jade has proven me wrong plenty of times before i don't wouldn't be surprised if her and ty did it again andy um
1: that might be mine as well but since you guys picked that one i'll try to pick a different one but i'm trying to think off the top of my head what would be it's like it's like sophie's choice have you ever seen that movie um um i would probably say Maybe it is the Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa match. Not that I'm not expecting them to tear the house down because I'm expecting them to tear the house down. Um, but it may be one of those of if Britt wins, we're kind of sitting here thinking, well, who who is going to take the title off of her at this point? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, I think it's going to be a great match. And I don't think the match itself will be the, the problem. It may just be where are we going from here after the yeah. match that kind of has a lot of question marks after the match.
0: I definitely agree with that. That definitely um, has the ability to raise a lot of eyebrows, a lot of questions if we go that route. All right. High spots. Best thing of the night. And because I am the host that can throw difficult questions at you, I am going to throw a caveat on this. And I'm going to say that we've all been in agreement that Brian Danielson and John Moxley are going to tear the house down. And you can't say that match (laughs) for your high spot. Okay. Um, Trust me, because that's taking it away from me, too, because that's what I was going to say. I will go out with mine, and I will say, oh, jeez. I'm going to say the ladder match. I think when you put a big ladder match on a big stage like this, AEW always delivers with it. It's always a spectacle. I don't know how they're going to top a Sammy Guevara cutter to Cody Rhodes off a ladder, but I'm sure they're going to try. Um, So the ladder match is going to be my high spot of the show. Trent, I'll throw to you next. What do you think?
2: I am very interested to see how the ladder match is going to play out, especially with the pieces they have right now. But if I had to pick one, I'm going to go with the Adam Bowl. Adam Page and Adam Cole haven't missed (laughs) in in any of their big matches in AEW yet. I don't expect that to change anytime soon, and I think they will. If we're not counting Brian Danielson and John Moxley, I think that's going to be the best match of the night.
1: Andy? Um, I also agree that the ladder match is going to be great, but also I think the tag match, the triple threat tag team match is going to be the match that could potentially also steal the show. Um, I don't, I don't think it really matters who the other tag team is because tag team wrestling in AEW is kind of, you could put anybody in certain matches and they're just going to absolutely kill it. So I, I really believe that this match could possibly steal the show, but a high spot that's actually going to be a spot I could see happening is I think we're going to get another Keith Lee Beal, but it's this time it's the powerhouse Hobbs maybe through a ladder. And I think that will be a big moment because they match. obviously were going back and forth about who could throw who the farthest. And I think we might get that moment in the match.
0: Isaiah – no, no, Isaiah He's not in the match. Uh, if Orange Cassidy ends up being in this match, again, because we're recording this before Dynamite, if it's Orange Cassidy, um, he might take a, a lot of punishment because he might be the one getting well, he's already around. in around.
1: He's already in. Oh, he did he, win. He got qualified he, he on Rampage okay. last week. I yeah.
0: thought that I thought I read that match was on dynamite. Okay. So, uh, on Rampage. okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. I okay, said words so, to your
1: mother and, and amazing. <laughs> it was the best. <laughs> <Rampage>. <laughs>
0: okay. All right. So, Orange Cassidy might take a lot of punishment in this match because he might be he like, like Trent said earlier, there's a lot of big dudes in this match. Somebody's got to get thrown around. <laughs> poor Ricky Starks and poor Orange Cassidy. Um, All right. We apologize for going long for a second week in a row, but the (laughs) wrestling world is what it is. And we got to talk about it. Um, Make sure that you follow us at PBW podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, Make sure you follow me. I'm at Chris Belcher 24. Andy is at Andy underscore PBWP, and Trent is at Trent Osborne FS. Make sure you give him some love. Uh, over on bodyslam.net, some great articles that he cranks out over there. Make sure you throw him some support. Trent, man, we appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much.
2: No problem. Thanks for having me anytime.
0: Absolutely. We love having you on. Um, and we love cranking out episodes for you guys twice a week. But guess what? It's WrestleMania season. So gear up. There's a lot more shows coming your way. I promise the week of WrestleMania is going to be loaded with a show every single day. So get ready. Plus all of this on the ground coverage Uh, that Andy and I will be giving you live from Dallas. So again, make sure you follow us on social media. Uh, Make sure you are supporting our partners, Bodyslam.net, Sportswire Radio. Uh, Make sure you're subscribing to their channels, supporting their other shows. I know they greatly appreciate it as well. If you're listening to us on a traditional audio platform, hit that subscribe button. Give us a five-star review. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. For our special guest, Trent Osborne, Mr. Andy York, my name is Chris Belcher. Thank you so much for listening. We will catch you guys down the road.